Welcome to Despirituality. We hope you're sticking with us. This is Russ Yule, and I've been able to bring back our illustrious, our famous, our insightful and wise guest, Brian Nita and Nick Straw. That's what their wives sent me to read about them. They said, read this because these guys need a lot of encouragement. No, just kidding. Uh, we know you guys are busy out there and that you're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, and hopefully by the time you're listening to this podcast, you're uh, feeling a lot more confident uh, in the pandemic uh, with having gotten your vaccinations or being close to getting your vaccinations, being able to feel more confident, having people in your home and and, and looking forward to, to June and July, uh, where uh, hopefully we'll really experiencing an opening up. A couple of weeks ago, uh, the uh, California had said they were going to open up around June 15th. So uh, if you're listening to this, you can check it and say, did they really do that? And I hope they do. It'll be good for all of us in many, many ways. If you've been listening to our podcast, we've been trying to nail down uh, and understand better how anxiety uh, is the enemy of spirituality. And we've learned that anxiety is an emotion. Uh, and so we should all uh, look at each other with, e with uh, you know, sort of a, a graciousness that all of us experience, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, the stress, the burden, uh, the staggering weight that sometimes anxiety can be. Some of us experience it more than others because we may have a, a, a diagnosis but it doesn't make us different uh, in the sense that we all still are experiencing it emotionally. And I know for me, as I've gotten more in touch with my own emotionalism and my own anxiety, I'm able to be more empathetic when someone tells me they're dealing with it on a clinical level. Um, and I'm actually really challenged because a lot of people that deal with it on a clinical level do a whole lot more work to deal with their anxiety spiritually, physically, uh, and mentally than I have. And so they've been an example and encouragement. Today, we're going to do some rapid fire stuff for you folks at home or on the move, whether you're on the move, uh, you're, you're just chilling out. And what we're going to do is we're going to, we gave you at the end of the last episode, if you listen to it, we gave you six things. The spirituality is necessary to overcome anxiety starts with number one, seeking to understand the true meaning of spirituality. Number two, recognizing spirituality as a choice. Number three, Surrender our anxiety over our inability to control life. Number four, stop overreaching, overthinking, overworking, and overreacting. Number four happens to be a personal autobiography of mine. <laughs> Number five, silence the internal voices keeping us enslaved to the false definitions of happiness. And number six, start treating God like he is God instead of an imaginary friend or a comfort toy. This is all going to come out of Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 and following. In the Passion Translation, Brian and Nick are going to hit us with a good response and some thoughts and some ideas. Let's get started. Number one on our list, seeking to understand the true meaning of spirituality. Let me read this scripture. Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rust, decays, and loses its value. Instead, I like this next word, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value, for your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. Your heart will always pursue what you value as your treasure. So here's the 
Here's my contribution. Anxiety is the enemy of spirituality because our anxieties almost always focus us on the material. In Mark 4:19 in the NIV, it makes the point when it says it makes this point when it says about the seeds that fell among the thorns But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. My conclusion, defeating anxiety begins with adopting a spiritual rather than a material outlook on life. Guys, hit me with your rapid fire thoughts on this point, seeking to understand the true meaning of spirituality. Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll go there. I, I like that scripture. I was actually reading this in the message translation, Russ. And it says the stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it, but the seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word embrace it. And for me, the true meaning of spirituality is how I deal with my anxiety, right? Uh, I choose oftentimes to be proud of my anxiety. I might hear the word, but I'm not listening to it. Mm. And that's what I got from Mark 4, 18 to 20. And so there's a big difference between hearing and listening to God. Excellent. I listen to my own voice and what I want to do. All right. That's sweet. I think it boils down to, to what do you value? Like if you, I love that in Matthew six, um, when I value uh, how I feel and want to re- take stress off me at any cost, it ends up burning the bridges in all my relationships, starting with God and then to my marriage. So I think when you value what's spiritual versus valuing material things or valuing yourself above e- anything, what's spiritual, I think is it's relationships, God. And then second to that is people. Beautiful. Number two on our list, recognizing spirituality is a choice. Matthew 6, 24. How could you worship two gods at the same time? How can you want to worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money, Matthew 6, 24. The first choice of a person who chooses to value the unseen and live a spiritual life is to choose the true God instead of the God of money. This is essentially a choice about the source of our confidence. Do we make money our source of confidence, relying on ourselves to obtain the power, position, prestige and possessions we think will keep us safe and secure or do we turn to God and say you know what I'm going to completely live my life with the confidence that you will give me what I need you will open and close the necessary doors I don't need to stress over it like good basketball coaches tell you let the game come to you don't force it and so the question is, is it going to be God or is it going to be money? And when you're talking about money, you're just not talking about dollar bills. You're talking about looking to power your position, the prestige you can get, the possessions you can own as a way to keep you safe and secure, recognizing that spirituality is a choice. Brian, you went first on the last round. Nick, you get to go first this time. Yeah, I, th- I think it's even asking that question, what choices am I, uh, even identifying what choices I'm making, mm-hmm. where, where am I trying to get my confidence from? Right. And, and, and I think one of the big challenges that a lot of people face is they go to church, 
They, they go to midweek. They might even read their Bible and pray, but they're not making the choice to be like, you know what? I'm going to do what God wants me to do and get security from and confidence from knowing that I'm doing what God wants me to do versus anything else, pleasure, uh, prestige, power, uh, money. And it's easy to get security in, in those things. If you're checking your bank account in the stock market every day, uh, it's a telltale sign that you're trying to get security somewhere else. I'll put Amazon on there. If you're trying to check, buy something on Amazon every day too, you're trying, you're going somewhere else and you're not, you're not very secure. All right. Now you're getting a little <laughs> close to home in the pandemic. I might be buying. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 geez, I need toilet paper, Nick. <laughs> Nick doesn't want me on Amazon. He wants me to want me. Wow, to have, Come on, Nick. No, it's not the toilet Come paper. On, it's it's the second big screen TV. You know. You know. You know. You know. <laughs> I, I, I would refer you to to Star Wars, where the Jedi is taught not to have attachments. Mm. The key mm. is your attachment. That yeah. that 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 you know the fact that Brian owes owns five Teslas. You know, that could be concerning. But the question isn't, does he own five Teslas? Is how attached he is. No, you make great nice. points. All right, Brian, I gave you enough time to come up with your ideas. Oh, my thought is you have me at choice. That spirituality is a choice. I often think that I am a victim of my anxiety. But my anxiety is actually a choice and something I choose to. When, wow. when you talked about power, when you talked about prestige, the word that came to my mind is security. And the spiritual choice is, where am I going to get my security? Am I going to get my security from God? Or am I going to try to get my security from my accomplishments, how well I do my job, how much money I have, whatever it is? That, that's what it came down to me. And you know what's funny about the things you just mentioned, getting your security from those other things, those material things, all of those things can be taken away. Mm -hmm. And that's why a lot of lives get crumble because we put our confidence in the material things it, it's not about how much you have i think the, the 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 sad narrative that has been put on christianity is it's against somebody having money what you were able to earn based on your efforts in life is not the issue and that's important for those who are coming new to spirituality the real issue as i said earlier is where and what you're saying brian is where are you getting your confidence from? Where are you yeah. getting that sense of unshakableness in the middle of the storm? Next on our list, surrender our anxiety over our inability to control life. Matthew 6.25, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life. For all that you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to your life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Spirituality is about our ability to let go, to give up trying to control life. What do you think, guys? And first thought I thought about is because I'm working on vulnerability rest is a big part of vulnerability is the willingness to trust. Oh, boy. And I, I think. I think for me, I don't surrender my anxiety when I don't want to admit that I don't trust God to take care of me. And it comes down to issue of trust. That's, that's the first thought that came to me. Awesome. What about you, Nick? Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, I think anxiety, I feel a lot of anxiety when I don't believe, kind of Brian's point, I don't believe that God is going to come through for me or I have to make everything happen on my own. And and that's in relationships, that's in, in life, finances, any, everything, um, uh, my kids, uh, being close to them. And I think when what ends up happening is when, when I control like that, it ends up pushing away everything that I think actually God wants to give me anyway. 
So both of you guys are really talking about the fact that control is 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 a macro idea, but it's got micro points. So it may be a big thing of controlling life, but that means I'm trying to control information. Mm. I don't want people to know certain things about me, and that's why vulnerability makes me nervous. Right. I'm trying to control information, and I'm trying to control not only information. I'm kind of trying to control how information makes me feel vulnerable. I'm trying to control my vulnerability financially. I'm trying to control my vulnerability emotionally. I'm trying to control work. I'm trying to control school. I'm trying to control my family because any of these things can make me feel anxious, and so I want to get control over them. And spirituality is about not trying to control it. It's really about having a sense of flow in your life, uh, what the Bible calls gentleness or calm, uh, the ability to live life without forcing things. And I, I know for me, that's a challenge. I've looked at it a lot, but we have to surrender our anxiety over our ability to control life. If we keep trying to control any element of our life, we will always have anxiety. And that's probably the simplest tip I could share with anybody. I'm not there. I haven't gotten there, but I know this. The more I try to control anything in life, the more anxiety I experience. And that leads us to one of my favorites. Stop overreaching, overthinking, overworking, and overreacting. (laughs) Stop overreaching, overthinking, overworking, and overreacting. In Matthew 6 and verse 26, look at all the birds. I used to always read this and think, what's the bird part about? (laughs) But then I realized the bird part of this scripture is about not overreaching, not overthinking, not overworking, and not overreacting. Look at all the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant, number one. They don't reap, and they don't store up. So that really is they don't overreach, they don't overthink, they don't overwork, and they don't overreact. They don't plant or Mm. reap or store up food. Yeah, your heavenly father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your father than they? So which of you by worrying could add anything to your life? Jesus calls on us to observe nature. Asking, this is one of my favorites here. Jesus calls on us to observe nature, asking the question, how many burnt out birds do you see? Wow. How many birds do you see killed over that are just burnt out from gathering food and flying? Burnout is about overreaching, overthinking, overworking, and overreacting in the delusional pursuit to control a world we cannot control. So as anxious people, what do we do? We overreach, we overthink, we overwork, we overreact until we burn out. Spiritual people are different. Spiritual people live passionately, purposefully, powerfully, and patiently in their walk with God, knowing he is the only one who can bring everything in life together in a beautiful way. Now, I know that's true, but I got a lot of work to do to get there, but I got to hear your thoughts, guys. I got to hear your thoughts on stop overreaching, overthinking, overworking, and overreacting. I know anxiety for me makes everything feel uh, urgent makes me think everything is urgent and everything is important. And I think I love this scripture about the birds because they're like, Hey, I just know what's important is for me to eat today. Right. Yes. <laughs> I, I know what's important. for. Okay. I have some shelter for today. Right. And maybe they have a nest that lasts longer. Right. But I'm just saying, right. I think right. For, for me, everything's anxious. Uh, sorry. Anxiety makes me think everything is urgent and important. And versus what Jesus is telling us here, he's like, 
man, God is going to take care of those things. Actually, God knows what's urgent and important. Wow. So if we slow down and ask him, yeah. he can help us instead of like 100% of everything is urgent and important. Yeah. No, probably like 10% is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and you could, you could save the rest for, for later. Exactly. But, um, so that's my thought on that. Brian. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm dead. I'm dead on that point. You're <laughs> you, dead. Got, you got me every which way, man. It got me. But no, I, overreacting. You're the you're the burnt out bird. Exactly. <laughs> I, I killed over in the in the yard. <laughs> yeah, I think the place that, that that the impact of anxiety happens most is in the home. That's where I see it. And uh, I think about like when I do homework with with my daughter Kylea. I'm often uh-huh. overreacting. I'm going, man, this shouldn't take as long. We have to hurry up. I'm getting oh, irritated. Boy. I'm getting frustrated. I'm guilty. I'm guilty of that too. <laughs> Oh yeah, man! But, uh, don't bring my dirty, don't bring my dirty <laughs> laundry out here. But uh, but I want to conceal all that. A, a good friend of mine, Jeff Payne, who has all their kids, he goes, Brian, you don't understand. When you do homework with your kids, it's relationship time, and homework is simply the vehicle through which you spend a relation with your kids. And if you wow, don't Jeff enjoy, Payne. yeah, you, yeah, he's like, if you don't enjoy it now, at some point they're not going to need your help or want your help. Jeff yes, Payne's bringing the pain. He is, man. I was like, he's oh. bringing the pain. I got to get him. I got to get Jeff on a podcast. I want to get him on a podcast. Yeah. I really do. I want to yeah. get him on a but podcast. But that helped me so that, much. I go, that's what That's awesome. Hey, you just gave us a good segue to our next one. Silence the internal voices keeping us enslaved to the false definitions of happiness. You and me have a false definition of happiness. As soon if I can get this done quick, I can go be happy. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> yeah, sure. Silence the internal voices keeping us enslaved to the false definition of happiness. Matthew 631. So then forsake your worries. Passion translation. So then forsake your worries. Why would you say, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For that is what the unbelievers chase after. And Ecclesiastes, I did a whole study on Ecclesiastes on the word chase. I'd read the book and I kept looking for the word chase and I thought, boy, I chase and strive too much. For that is what the unbelievers chased after. Doesn't your heavenly father already know the things your body requires? Matthew 6, 31, 32 in the Passion. The internal voices at work in our lives are all about motives. Motives are the answers to all of our why questions. Why are we so intent on getting that, being this, knowing him, dating her, going there, leaving here, receiving more, giving less, rising higher, getting out, and the biggest why of all, why don't we tell anyone the motives behind it all? Silencing the internal voices, keeping us enslaved to the false definition of success is about practicing what the scriptures call purifying. That's something I learned. I think, you know, there's this thing going around where people say, don't judge motives. Actually, when Jesus came, he was all about motives. He said, I'm not just going to tell you don't do that. I'm telling you, don't even have that in your heart. And what's unfortunate, I think, is a lot of us don't understand when you purify the heart, you end up purifying the life. And Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This means one of the most important aspects of our relationship with God is making sure our motives are pure, that what motivates us are the spiritual rather than the material pursuits. I know I have a lot of conversations with people, and there are people who get aggravated when I bring up motive. 
And I, I think motive is everything. And I think we mm-hmm. spend too little time talking about motive. And I would make the argument that we are never going to be able to silence the internal voices in our heart that keep us enslaved to the false definition of happiness as long as we don't reveal our motive. I grew up thinking I had to have this to feel like I was a success. I grew up feeling like I had to have this kind of family to be happy. I feel like I have to go this place, live here, have this thing, date this kind of person, marry this kind of person, have this kind of position before I can be happy. And what we're not doing is going, well, what's the underlying motive behind that? And I know for me personally, a lot of time, the motive is measuring myself in the eyes of people instead of measuring myself in the eyes of God. So I want to know what you guys think about this idea of motives being the way to silence the internal voices, keeping us enslaved to the false definitions of happiness. Yeah, um, man. Oh, I silenced you guys. You guys were dealing. You were thinking about your motives. You were going, oh, what's my motive for being on this podcast? Brian was like, what's my motive for having the 49ers draft a new quarterback? Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, go for get, it. Getting that six Super Bowl, that's my motive. No, that's but, your uh, motive. Yeah, uh, I, I think this is, it, it's really important. And that's something I don't reflect on enough in terms of my motives, in terms of why I do what I do. Right. And um, I think just coming off of Easter, I, I was, it, it helped me because listening to the lesson and thinking about God and man, to believe in God is to actually care about how he feels. And oftentimes I don't think about enough about how God feels and questioning why I do what I do. But that starts with being honest with God in my times with him about what my motives really are. And, uh, and I think that's that whole part of that vulnerability hey, I, that I'm learning to do. I, I have a quick question. I have a quick question for that. What do you think about this, Brian? How often, because um, this is what, in my relationships with people, a lot of times I'm talking about my motive. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll tell somebody, hey, this is my goal. But I'm always a little nervous that my because I'm a I mean I tend to be by by nature uh, selfishly ambitious, and so I always like to tell people, "Here's my goal, and this is why I want to do it." What do you think about that? Do you do, do you think it's uh, what do you think about the idea of having your relationships be one where the emphasis is not on how people behave? and whether they follow the rules, but the emphasis is on having heart-to-heart conversations where you're drawing out of that person what their motives are. They're drawing out of you what your motives are because I think, you know, we can be pretty confident from Proverbs 16, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but mm-hmm. motives are weighed by the Lord. That if God is happy with our motive, he'll take care of the rest. And so I think some of the anxiety comes is we're so busy trying to get we don't realize the way to get God moving on our behalf is that he knows our motives are in the right place. But what do you think about building relationships that emphasize the heart discussions, the heart conversations instead of the behavior conversations? And if you're talking about a heart conversation, H-E-A-R-T, you're talking about a conversation that has to come down to discussion of motives. What do you think about that and relationship building? I think that the, the, the word I'm thinking when you say that is intimacy. Intimacy happens when you have those honest conversations. And I think where I get killed by anxiety is when I'm anxious, I want easy and I want quick. So I'm going, hey, let's have the behavior conversation. Because <laughs> to talk about behavior and change the behavior, it's far easier and far quicker, at least in my mind. That could be one of the misconceptions about spirituality, right? Than having an honest conversation about heart that's more important. Yeah, and- I think uh, you're, you've identified something important here. 
the misconception about spirituality, it's not a misconception. It's not spiritual. So when you focus on behavior or I focus on behavior or Nick focuses on behavior or our friends out there focus on behavior, we actually are being unspiritual. The funny thing is, the more religious we are, we actually as religious people, and I know a lot of people listening to this aren't particularly religious, don't like to go to church, and that's totally fine. That's actually awesome that you listen to us and get in here and want to work on spirituality. But I think one of the things is we actually sometimes as Christians reward behavior more than we reward spirituality. Mm. So let me give you an example. Let's say you got two guys, or it could be two ladies, but we'll talk about two guys. Let's say you got two guys. One guy comes to you and says, man, I was in uh, the store the other day, and I uh, just wanted to shoplift. And I put three things in my pockets, uh, uh, two things you know, in my, in my backpack, and I was ready to walk out with them. And, and then, and then I went, this is wrong. I took them out. I put them back and I left, but I feel terribly guilty. Someone comes and says that. And most people that are Christian be like, you did what? They, they would, we would, most people who are Christian would miss the fact that the guy put it back and be like, dude, you could have got arrested. You could have got got. Now there's this other dude. He comes in you say, how you doing? Doing great. Doing awesome. And you say, well, hey, have you read your Bible? Been reading it every day. You've been praying. Man, I went on a mountain and I prayed for three hours just to be with God. Oh, man, that's incredible. How's your marriage and family going? Oh, I took them on a vacation and they had a great time at Disneyland, Disney World. And it was so awesome and so incredible. And you'd be like, this guy's doing better than me. But that guy actually has been shoplifting on a daily basis. And the reason he was able to go to Disneyland is he actually falsified some information and got tickets at a price he shouldn't have gotten because he faked that his family had disability and lied about it. And, and but, but because he tells you his behavior is good, we go, he's great. So we're going right. to knock the head, knock the head of the guy who's honest, but we're going to praise the guy who's a liar. I think oftentimes we become unspiritual when we focus on behavior mm-hmm. and the spirituality is actually sitting there going, dude. That is so awesome. You're honest about the temptation. You almost took it. Thank goodness you didn't get arrested. But the beautiful thing is you put it back and you talked about it. He's letting you know his true spiritual condition, mm-hmm. whereas the other guy is not. And I think we reward the guy who lies. Yeah. Until mm-hmm. 10 years later, he ends up in jail and we're like, what? I can't believe he did all that. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Guilty yeah. of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I wasn't trying to say you're guilty. I just think it's good for all of us to remember. I've been, I've been, I didn't shoplift, but I've been the guy who had all the bad stuff. And then you end up, the, the guy with the bad stuff feels terrible about himself. Right. But then the guy who lies all the time, man, he may become president of the United States, governor of California, mayor of, <laughs> you know, Mayor of Tupelo, Mississippi. Nick, get on in here. I know well, I've, I took go, us off track yeah. a little bit. Well, that goes to the original point of of uh, honesty. I think honesty is actually what purifies our our motives. Like, and I think that's really big. One thing, I, uh, the thing I was thinking though was when I'm anxious, um, and I don't take that to God, like we were talking about earlier. What ends up happening is my motives become selfish because when I'm anxious, I'm only thinking about myself. Ah. Like I'm not, I'm not thinking about anybody right. else. It made me think of uh, uh first John four eighteen, uh, where it's, where it says perfect love drives out fear. And I think the times I'm actually most confident um, and uh, calm are when I know I'm loving w- without a doubt. I know I'm loving. And I think 
that, that's just a simple thing. But to, back to what you were talking about, the only way to get from uh, the fear and anxiety that leads to selfish motives to uh, love is you have to start with honesty. Yes. You know, that's beautiful. There's no way, there's no way I to think get there's to a the scripture on it. that in Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. You got to yeah, get the honesty. No. Hey, I got a question for you guys. Do you know what a comfort toy is? I actually don't. I think of a pillow, but uh, that may be wrong. Like, I'm holding on to a, holding on to a, a pillow or a blankie. I don't know. I, was thinking I hope, I hope Brian doesn't say a gun. I hope no, Brian no, no, doesn't no, say no. I, I, a I, gun. I, I think those security pets that you know that you're allowed to, to fly on planes with, you know, because they call oh, you okay, down or something okay. like that. But that's a but that's a live an, that's a live animal. Yeah, yeah, right, so right. by definition, it couldn't be a toy. Right. I mean, I guess. I guess. I guess. I guess. Maybe if you consider your kids toys and dogs toys, we've got a whole nother conversation we got to have. <laughs> another podcast. You know, I, uh, I was writing and I wrote it down and I went, let me make sure I know what I'm talking about. And I looked it up and a comfort toy is a toy like a blanket or something like that that kids have okay. that keeps them feeling secure in the middle of, you know, any kind of a situation that maybe yeah. might cause them discomfort. Yeah. And I went, wow, that's that, that I, w- I went good. I wrote it, I wrote it down and I went, I second guessed myself. And that's the last thing we want to talk about today. Start treating God like he's God instead of an imaginary friend or a comfort toy. Hmm. I think sometimes we don't even realize, and I include myself in this, that God has become, I'll give you a classic movie, Harvey with Jimmy Stewart, Harvey. Mm. Go look it up, folks. Harvey, Mm. where Jimmy Stewart has an invisible friend called Harvey who's a giant rabbit. It's a great movie. It's funny. It's fun. But the whole time, you never see Harvey. It's it's just an invisible rabbit. He describes it, but it was his imaginary friend. There are atheists and thinkers, uh, and I don't say this in a negative way, but who say the problem with people that go to church and believe in God is they need an imaginary friend. Mm. And I think that we can sometimes treat God like he's an imaginary friend or a comfort toy, because what do you do with a comfort toy? You go grab it as a little kid when you're afraid. You go grab it when you're under stress. You don't really build a relationship with a comfort toy. You just hold it and take it with you when you think you're going to be afraid. An imaginary friend you go to when you're lonely, when you go to when you're rejected, or like you talked about, uh, Brian, maybe, you know, I don't, I, I think that the animal thing is, is, is a real, a real need. Right. But when, when you go to God under stress, but you don't build the relationship, because I know people who have those, it's interesting to bring it, I know people who have, you know, animals that really help them, but that's because they build a relationship with the animal. Right. A comfort toy is not a relationship. An imaginary friend is not a relationship. And I think sometimes we can read our Bible and we can pray as though God isn't really, isn't even real. In Matthew 6, it says, so above all, constantly chafed after the realm of God's kingdom and the righteousness that proceeds from him then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Refuse to worry about tomorrow, but deal with each challenge that comes your way. One day at a time, tomorrow will take care of itself. It says here, chase after the realm of God's kingdom and righteousness. I think he's really saying, if we were to put it in a simple sentence, 
Chase After God. A.W. Tozer, if you want to read some old-time classic spiritual books, A.W. Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R, called this the pursuit of God, that chasing after the realm of God's kingdom and righteousness, which in my view is when we start treating God like he is God instead of an imaginary friend or a comfort toy. You know what, folks? We've done a rapid fire on all these. And what Brian and Nick and I are sharing with you is we have a lot of work to do with our own anxiety, our own spirituality. We want to encourage you to join us in making sure we turn to God as a real God and don't just treat him like a pacifier to get us through difficult times. This has been a podcast on de-spirituality. You can always go to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and listen to our, our past podcasts. We hope you'll give us a like, give us five stars, so we can be able to get more encouraging stuff like this out to other people. Also, remember, there's a lot of devotionals on de-spirituality, and there's content on YouTube from de-spirituality. Thanks for using your time, which is so valuable, to listen to us, and have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the day. Okay.